0: Welcome to the Enneagram and Christianity Podcast with your hosts, lead pastors Claire and Scott Lorridge from Crossroads Church and Ministries in Marshall, Michigan. In this Advent 2020 season, we're asking the question, how will you unwrap the gift of Christ in you this Advent season? We hope that you'll join us December 1st through December 25th as this podcast will create space for you to unwrap the gifts of Christ's presence for every Enneagram personality style. So dive in, let's take a listen, and let's unwrap the gift of Christ. Here's Claire and Scott.
1: Welcome, my friend Chris Hines. Hi,
0: Claire. Great to see you
2: today.
1: It's great to see you. I love your background.
2: Thank you. A lot of people think it's real wood.
1: Oh, it's um,
3: not.
2: But it's actually just wallpaper. Yeah.
3: yeah. I wanted
2: the real wood feel. I'm I'm calling in from today from our new office building and there are these real wood walls here, but um I didn't make the cut. It was too expensive for me to get some of my own office, so I did the next <laughs> best thing, wallpaper. But yeah, a lot of people feel like it's uh think it's real, but it's
1: It's just really wallpaper. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, um, I know that you're in your office and, and for folks who don't know you, uh, Chris, you're a life coach. You're a strengths finder, a expert. You're an Enneagram teacher. You, uh, you're a recommended, um, collaborator or colleague with, uh, Penn State University. You are the chief people officer of a great company. What is the name of this company?
2: Yeah, um, we're Energy Cap, Inc. So we publish energy management software. Mm -hmm. So we help large organizations like state governments, counties, cities, uh, uh, higher ed, and all sorts of organizations really in the end manage their utility bills, save on energy. Mm -hmm. So they then can spend money on what really matters, like hiring more teachers, pursuing their mission and vision, and so forth. So I do all the human resource functions for our company.
1: Wow. And, and I, um, I loved what you said right before we started the call about how human resources has really given you a way to ask real questions and meaningful cre- questions with, uh, with your folks. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, it has. Um, you know, human resources can take a lot of different shapes to just hiring or, or benefits, compliance, and, and I do things like that, but I, I really try to get to know our employees. And, uh, and, and work with them on their sense of wellness um, and care and connection. And so uh, actually this, uh, this COVID time has provided a great opportunity for me to really care for them as individuals. Of course, we care for the, the results, you know, and their performance and so forth. They are here for, for business, um, but, but we really do care more about the person mm. and their relationships. And so I, as Chief People Officer, I, I make it my goal to, to really kind of dig in, understand what's important to everyone, help them grow, help them develop, um, and uh, take care of themselves. So, so I really see it as a ministry role, yeah. you know, a service role, even though they might not see it that way. That's really how I see
1: it. Well, and, you know, it doesn't surprise me you see it that way. I remember when you were in our training and, um, and you know, you were there to be learning and by the end of the class, you had given everyone a copy of your book. And what book is that, Chris?
2: Yeah, so it's a book I wrote called Made to Pray, uh, How to Find Your Best Prayer Types. And so the idea is that we all, um, we all pray in different ways. Mm-hmm. And we all can experience closeness with Jesus in different ways. So why not, why not learn what works best for us instead of sort of compare and copy other people's sweet spots in prayer so it's a book that helps um helps you the reader uh find your best prayer types, so you can really have a an enjoyable sustainable relationship with jesus this came out of my own boring prayer life and i was like hey i need to find a better way to do this and so uh, you know it takes individuality into account different prayer types in the bible and so forth but it was such a blessing that you Kind of opened up, not really knowing me, and said, hey, feel free. And so I was able to provide a coffee for everyone.
1: Well, I love it. And, you know, here's one of the things I know is that when people are generous, um, whether they know it or not, they are displaying that character of Christ, uh, the generous one, capital G, capital O, Right. And during Advent, we're on day 21, I cannot even believe we're on day 21. <laughs> but this word, the, unwrapping the presence of Christ, uh, is generous. And actually, for those uh, folks that have the box, they have a little QR code, and they get to, you know, scan that, and then they'll come up on our page and discover that you were here to talk to us. And, uh, cool. and it's really beautiful. Um, and I, you know, one of the things that I've really helpful um, about the way you see the world, is through this um, multifaceted way of seeing the human person, uh, whether it's ways to pray, or it's strength finders, or it's the Enneagram, and yet the, the deep foundation in you is the foundation of Christ, and so I wanted to ask you first, before you tell us about Enneagram types and how generosity shows up in them or for them. I wanted to ask you how has Christ uh, revealed Himself to you? Um, how has God revealed God's own self to you in generosity?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Claire. Um, you know, I, uh, I've been a Christian for um, thirty plus years, which is crazy,
1: Are and you I definitely have. Ex- I'm, I'm 43. Okay, yeah. all right. I knew you were a lot younger than me, but I didn't know how much. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: 43.
2: Um, I'm accepting the title of middle age. Which,
1: uh, yeah, uh-huh. real hard. No, not till you hit 55. <laughs>
2: Good. Um, so I've experienced definitely the, the presence and generosity of God through Christ, you know, for, throughout the years. But I, I want to, I guess, pinpoint a deeper experience even this year. Um, um, with the generosity of Christ. I read this great book called The Gospel by J.D. Greer. He's a pastor, J.D. Greer. And there's this gospel prayer in the book that I've started praying every morning before I get out of bed. And through this prayer, I really experience the generosity and the unity with Christ that I take with me throughout the day. And it goes like this. Um, uh, Heavenly Father, There's nothing I could do to make you love me more, and there's nothing I have done to make you love me less. Mm -hmm. Your presence and approval are all I need for everlasting joy. (laughs) As Christ was to me, I want to be to others. I'll measure your compassion by the cross, your power by the resurrection, and your authority by the ascension. Mm -hmm. I added that ascension part because I feel like it completes the story. But when I pray this prayer and keep in mind all the time that indeed nothing I could do could make God in Christ love me any less or gain any more approval and standing in his eyes. I feel the generosity of his salvation offered to me, the generosity of being a son of God and all that, that that affords me. You know, so much that in Ephesians, it says, I need the spirit for me to comprehend the hope that I have, Mm -hmm. the inheritance in the saints that I have, the riches in glory and the power that raised Christ from the dead. I even need the spirit to help me comprehend the richness and vastness of all I have in Christ, you know, as a son of God. And so I experience the generosity of Christ through my salvation, through grace flowing down. Um, and then the second part of that prayer is that, that, um, uh, approval and joy are found in Christ. And so it doesn't matter what happens, you know, it, it doesn't matter what conditions are true or not true. It doesn't matter what happens. Like the, the person of Christ is in fullness. Um, and that brings joy and it brings approval to me. Uh, and then I'm reminded of the service of Christ toward me. Mm the selfless act of giving up his life on my behalf so i could be made whole and right with the father and all those days of his life when he avoided temptation he spoke truth he didn't sin all that i might have life with the father i mean how generous how generous is that and we close that prayer going um you know i'll measure your your compassion by the cross mm-hmm. your power by the resurrection and your authority by the ascension, I, I experienced the generosity of Jesus in person, in deed, in word, <laughs> so much more fully because I start my day with this prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I really have experienced the generosity of Christ Jesus much more this year and um, than ever before. And I think that was so cool because of COVID sort of sent us all inward. Right. And yeah. I've been able to, push back my focus on the deep, deep person of Christ, you know, about whom Paul, the apostle said, I could spend my whole life seeking Christ and I wouldn't even get to know all of him, Mm
3: -hmm. you know,
2: because Mm -hmm. of the richness of the person of Jesus Christ. So I've really fallen in love with Christ um, through the good news of the gospel more this year. um, And I'm so grateful for
1: that. It's beautiful. And you know, I, I think um, while you know it's really good preaching from a human resources uh coach, you know, <laughs> personality expert. Uh I really love the um the creating a pathway for you to daily open up to the reality of Christ and the generosity of Christ. Uh, many times we're, uh, because we have not established a rhythm of prayer, um, we haven't established the, you know, like the the, the disciplines. M- many people don't like that word, but the discipline of prayer, we have not opened ourselves to, uh, to greater ways of knowing God. Um, so, you know, there's an old uh, uh, Paul Rader said, Uh, With prayer, some days you're digging holes, some days you're planting poles, some days you're stringing wire, and some days you get the connection. And what I have come to realize is that, um, you know, even the digging of the holes, what might seem like a prayer that just is, you know, the foundation of your day, where it feels like, okay, say that. But what happens then is you are awakened to God's generosity towards you. And you can be aware, you know, you can be aware of that moment when you say, oh my gosh, there there it is again. There is uh, Christ in reality again. And it
2: helps me then, for example, be generous toward others mm. because it sets my heart and my soul, and my spirit on what Christ has done for me, for example, then, mm-hmm. hey, as you have done for me, I want to do for others.
3: Right. Sometimes
2: it's that little extra push of like, I have the patience I need. You know, I have the grace I need. I have the gentleness I need in this moment. Um, whereas humanly speaking, I wouldn't have it.
1: Well, that's right. And even from the time of our birth, you know, we were, we came into the world saying wah wah wah. I need, I need, I need. Right, and then the 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 discovery of how then to give, but um, but in a you know in a practical sense, but even that little baby is already giving the love of God, even in their very weak state. So while somebody may not be practiced in giving out, maybe, or they're not aware of how they're generous, Um, you know, God has made you in God's own likeness. So, so there is this already inherent greatness, this already inherent generosity, but I I wonder if you could tell us about, um, this beautiful personality, uh, you know, tool map of the soul called the Enneagram and how generosity might show up maybe around the circle or in whatever way you'd like to take it, Chris. Yeah, definitely.
2: Definitely. Um, and then maybe if we have time too, after that we can talk about Enneagram and strengths a little bit.
1: Yeah, that would be that would be great. So there are some very interesting things about the
2: connection of Enneagram and strength.
3: So
1: yeah, um, maybe it would. All right.
2: Be yeah. So I spent some time thinking about how generosity shows up with each of the Enneagram types. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll, we'll go through this. So uh, we'll start with type one. So I see generosity displaying itself through type ones when type ones can can accept the fact that, that growth is okay and that growth is invited. You know, type ones really want to pursue what's good, what's perfect, what's ideal. And they can sometimes get too critical and judgmental toward what doesn't appear as perfect, good, or ideal. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, no one's perfect. No one's except through Christ, except Christ is established and done learning and growing. <laughs> so I think a really healthy place is for the type one. A very generous place is for the type one to, to accept that growth and development and progress, with sometime, which sometimes means falling short, mm-hmm. is not only okay, but it's invited.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I've known some very healthy type ones who provide such room and grace for making mistakes, doing dumb things, you know, asking stupid questions, but it's okay because that's what life is all about, growth. Mm-hmm. So it's generous when type ones relay the message, growth is okay and growth is invited.
1: Well, that's awesome that you even use the word okay because a lot of times okay is not okay with ones <laughs> to say. So beautiful. So it might even be generous to just say, okay, it's okay. It's yeah, okay. It's yeah. okay. How about twos? Yeah.
2: So, um, so type twos. And oh, I also thought about Jesus and generosity mm-hmm. with each of these. Um, and so particularly, I'm, I, I've thought of Jesus all the times that these disciples asked really dumb questions. And the disciples just didn't get the point. You had to like explain. And I am one of
1: those. Yes,
2: exactly. Me too. You had <laughs> to explain parables again and again and again, uh, but you don't see Jesus correcting them or being judgmental. You see him going, "Okay, let's take it again. Let's let's do this again." So I think Jesus shows us that growth is okay and invited as well. Um, type twos, uh, I think type twos show generosity through generosity of presence when they love you and they know it doesn't add or take away from themselves. Mm. Sometimes type twos, right. Can love and serve in order to gain worth, gain value. Um, So there's a stinginess, actually there's a stinginess um, and even a hoarding about the love they give because they're, they're trying to gain something for themselves. But when type twos can love knowing I'm not adding anything to me. I'm not taking anything away from me. I'm just loving to love. Mm-hmm. I think that's very, very generous when that kind of love is offered with no strings attached, no expectations. Wow. And I see Jesus doing this when you see Jesus in the crowd, right? He's in the crowd and the, the woman with the issue of blood goes to reach and touch his garment. And he, Jesus actually feels power leaving him, power being taken away he turns around and goes who who was that and and the woman's identified he he doesn't get upset he doesn't get angry he actually says your faith has healed you go go right mm-hmm. and so he is he is actually affirming her faith her taking something away from him power it's not diminishing his identity he's not losing anything he's affirming what she has done in this
3: act of faith
1: that's beautiful and even when christ would have said my virtue healed you because he felt that generosity of soul leave as she touched. But Jesus said, your faith, like didn't even take any of the. I did it for you. See how good I am. See how loving I am. That's beautiful. How about threes?
2: So, so type threes, I think generosity for a type three is having the presence of self, full self, bringing your full self in the present moment as well as living in the now. And so there's, there's this embracing of what's true for me, what's authentic for me now, spirit, soul, and body, feelings too. Where am I now as a full person, but also bringing this now focus, not just looking forward. Hey, I'm a, I'm a type three. I've been learning. I was learning. gonna
1: say, do you know anybody that's a type three? <laughs> You're
2: type three, I'm type three. It took me a little bit of a journey to land on that but I really believe I'm a type three and I know my tendency is to ignore parts of me in the moment because it feels maybe slowing me down feels like too much work to get to the root and the heart of what I'm feeling so it's like let's just push through this ignore it so we can move ahead because so much of my orientation is forward moving I don't know if you can relate to that
1: no don't know what you're talking about <laughs>
2: And so there's there can be this denial of self where i'm at but also a denial of the now of the of the now moment right and so i think generosity for a type 3 is hey i'm paying attention to what's important in me now and i'm going to live in the moment now mm-hmm. not just push aside to get ahead i think that's generosity for a 3 i see jesus doing this in the wedding mm-hmm. at cana when he was trying to avoid the host of the wedding being embarrassed for running out of wine. And so although in a way his time had not yet come, <laughs> he decided to serve the wedding guests and, 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 and save the embarrassment by turning water into wine. He was aware of what his ambition was, hold this secret, but he wanted to serve those there and he was very present in the moment.
1: That's beautiful. Love that. I'd love to be able to turn water into wine for people.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ding.
1: Right? Very efficient. I mean, don't have to let it ferment or anything. Anyway. Okay. How about yeah. fours, Chris? All
2: right. So, so type fours, what I love about type fours, they can display generosity when they welcome all of life, mm. the highs and the lows, the expressions, the, uh, the positive, positive and negative emotions as we like to think about them. Fours really welcome all of life, and um that's that's generous, that's full, that's abundant
3: mm-hmm. um and I really
2: appreciate that about about fours. Um, I think about jesus with with the death of Lazarus, um so his friend Lazarus had died, Jesus hears the news, he weeps, mm-hmm. right He weeps with Mary and Martha, um, but yet he doesn't stay there. You see this proclamation coming, Lazarus come out, and he calls Lazarus out of the grave to something else. Mm -hmm. And so we see this great sorrow, but we see this great joy and triumph because Lazarus is brought back to life. And in that quick story, we see that Jesus bringing the fullness of life, high and low emotions forth, experiencing life and death together. That's, that's highly generous.
1: That's right. That's right. And I, you know, when I was a young Christ follower, I remember fixating on the part of the scripture that said, you know, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. I had no idea that abundant life was joy and sorrow and that being present to all of it was truly abundant life. And so, uh, and it was a, it was a type four spiritual director that invited me into the sorrow so anyway, I affirm you in that observation. Thank you for that. How about, how about fives?
3: Yeah,
2: so, so type fives, um, you know, type fives love knowledge. They love to gather resources. They love to feel safe and secure and almost expert. And a lot of times they, they use their knowledge to sort of shield themselves from maybe fears or insecurities, uncertainties. And there can be a, a, a almost hoarding or collecting of resources of knowledge to shield oneself. From uncertainty, from fears. So I think fives can be really generous when they surrender their resources for the sake of others. Mm-hmm. And they can put their guard down, kind of even accept the risk. Like if I give out to you, I may not have enough for myself, but I'm gonna sacrifice anyway. That's that's highly generous when they will give what they've gathered or collected themselves for the sake of others.
3: Mm-hmm
2: and I see Jesus doing this in the garden of of Gethsemane right the, the night he chooses really chooses the father's will he chooses to accept the cup being passed to him which will ultimately lead to his his arrest his torture his brutal crucifixion if any of you have watched the passion of the christ movie we watch it every every easter as a family and every year we have to turn away at that that scene of his torture but that's what Christ chose in the Garden of Gethsemane. He, he really chose to shed himself of any self protection, any resources. He could have called legions of angels down to protect him, but he chose to sort of put off that which would protect him mm-hmm. for the sake of others. And so, type five show great generosity when you surrender their resources for the sake of others.
1: Right, surrender their security and survival. Right, yeah. which is the big hawk and deal for the head types five, six, and seven, and so to let go of even the ability to survive when he could have called down angels, right? But let go, beautiful. Thank you for that. And how about the beloved sixes? Uh,
3: the
2: the type sixes. So I think generosity for type six is is embracing the sufficiency of trust. Mm. Trusting in the moment that, that he's trustworthy, that she's trustworthy, that they can trust themselves with God. you know a lot of type, type sixes want to figure out what the future holds. They want to future out. they want to figure out the dangers in the current situation, want to assess risk. Um, uh, so some, some maybe anxiety and stress and, and pressure uh, are, are increased as they perceive threats closing in. So there's this diligence and vigilance, you know, for sixes to try, try to figure things out. But I think there's great generosity shown when they trust in the sufficiency of trust. Hmm. And they can say, hey, I don't know what's going to happen, but but I trust you, God. Or to someone, a spouse, a friend, um, hey, I don't know where we're headed, but but I trust you in that. Um, that That is a generous move move or type sixes. Mm -hmm. Um, And I see Christ doing this when he entrusts the church to us, his people. Mm -hmm. We know in the word that Christ is the head of the church.
1: And if I were Christ, I would not have trusted us.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, yeah. I mean, look at, go down the line. I mean, you have Peter, Christ says, I'm gonna build on this rock and he's denying Christ. He reinstates him, but he denies him he's everyone deserts him and leaves him. Mm -hmm. And yet these are, these are going to be the ones he's going to choose to build his church on and and entrust us with the growth of his church down through the ages. I mean, that, that takes trust. Yeah. Jesus trusted him. Yeah. Yeah. Move Jesus. He knows what he's doing, but not sure that would be my strategy.
1: No. And, and I love that because the redemptive virtue back to health for sixes is courage. Wow. and so wow to think about the kind of courage it took to trust not just peter but all of us down through the ages and and i do i you know i do um i do think that during this pandemic that the church has not not represented christ as christ is in many ways we have failed we have we have not Uh, We have not been as Christ is, even all the way around what you're talking about, the generosity of letting disciples make mistakes and know that it's a part of growth. I mean, we could go all the way through with what you've already said, but this courage piece right here um, for, you know, the the generosity of Christ through sixes is really about trusting people that are not going to do it well and even embarrass the name of Christ. And their denials.
3: He still keeps God. using people, so right?
1: right. Yeah. yeah.
3: Good point, Claire. Yeah.
1: Well, really. wow. you're inspiring me. Okay, how about sevens?
3: <laughs> so
2: I think type sevens, generosity comes through them when they show joy in the person of Christ himself. You know, happiness is based on circumstances, you know, and things going our way and so forth. But real lasting joy, even in the face of sorrow, is in what's unshakable, what's immovable. And, uh, and and the person of Christ is immovable, unshakable, you know, higher name and title in this age than any that could be conferred in any age to come is what, what the Bible says. And so I think generosity for a seven is having joy in the person of Christ, regardless of what is going on. Um, and, and I see this actually in the life of Christ when he says things like my food is to do the will of the one who sent me you know that Jesus didn't have a place to lay his head he really didn't know where his food was going to come from but he took this joy and this security and this 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 um this stability in the person of the father mm-hmm. um and so that translates down to us taking joy in the person of Jesus in whom is the fullness of the Godhead, you know, bodily form? Mm. And so, the Father is saying, if you want to know what I'm like, look at Christ. And so, I think the type seven shows us that the generosity is having joy in the person of Jesus Christ Himself, not anything else. And ultimately, we see Christ, food, <laughs> provision, resource coming through the will of the Father.
1: Well, it's beautiful. And I love the, you know, the idea that it's around food because of course the vice for the seven is gluttony and it's not always about food, but my food, right? This is my food. Um, And I also, you know, I, I hear that, um, you know, the, the generosity in giving the food, but also you're talking about, um, you know, the son uh, reflecting the will of the father And then Christ gives us the spirit. And so, of course, the spirit um, of Christ or the Holy Spirit um, found, you know, as the generous gift that Christ is saying, it's better for me, you know, I mean, it's better for you. It's better for you. Sorry. It's better for you that I leave and give you the Holy Spirit. And, And the Holy Spirit was so much more. Um, ha, you know, anyway, we could get into that. But of course, the spirit of Christ, um, uh, n- you know, neither male nor female, neither uh, Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, is able to receive the spirit of God and the spirit of God then living out this. Um, this reality here, and Jesus could have said, "Hey, I got more countries to visit. I'd like to. I'd like to. You know, I'd like to get over to Italy. I heard their pasta's great. I, you know, and and this beautiful um, relinquishment, sobriety, which is the redemptive virtue back to health for sevens. Sobriety, so letting go of what would naturally be the food of a seven, but as a generous seven. Than saying it is to lay it, you know, lay it down and do what is the will anyway, so good. We could write a whole thing on that.
3: <laughs> we could.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
2: Yeah, so then type eight. Um, I think of generosity as a type eight is in this this phrase. It's felt and forward protection. I think that type eights bring this great. Intensity, this energy, this influence and impact that is felt mm. by those around them, but it's also forward. you know a lot of type eights I know they're they're looking forward, they're seeing what's coming you know, and, and they're bringing that that sense of protection and that sense of impact um, and so felt and forward protection is generosity to me as an eight. when you know an eight has got your back mm. and an eight is like looking to see what's coming. And they're bringing the force of their conviction, belief, and person. Mm-hmm. Like, you're good. You're, that's a generous place to be. Um, I think of Jesus in the story of the woman caught in adultery. Mm-hmm. And he is standing between this woman and the religious leaders going, Hey, who's ever without, the, without sin, you throw the first stone. In a way, he's mediating and interceding on her behalf. His presence is very felt by this woman in this Mm -hmm. deep sense of need and it's felt by the religious leaders where they, they throw their stones away. They're Mm -hmm. feeling the gravitas of his message and his personhood in that moment, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's really setting her up to go and sin no more. So in a way he is present. Yes, but he's forward looking, where is this going to take her next? Hopefully it's a holy, holy life following the father and -hmm. Jesus Christ. So I think we see Jesus felt and forward protection in that moment
1: yeah uh, and um, and of course, whenever we think about AIDS and they really are going to the one who is condemned, the one who is marginalized, the one who is considered other than us, mm-hmm. the good people, whatever those that were standing there. And uh, I, I really, I mean, I feel that presence um, in the eights I know. Uh, my two closest colleagues, my, my nephew, Don, who's our worship pastor, is an eight. Um, and he always says, you know, I, I, listen, I'm Sicilian. I got you. I'll be the bad cop. Don't you you know, that kind of thing. And my sister-in-law, um, Kathleen, who is, uh, uh, who is our Connections pastor, and who, I mean, she will find, she's not looking for the popular person walking through the door. She has a radar to find the person who has been condemned and just will make her presence felt in ways that heal and restore. And uh, so I, I hear that. I hear that at a, in my bones, what you're saying about their felt presence. That's beautiful. And then how about nines, you know, you thought you might've been a nine for a while. And uh, tell us a little bit about how nines are generous.
2: Yeah, so I think that nines bring generosity by welcoming us all into rest and into acceptance. I think uh, Richard Rohr says that people feel like they can come to rest with themselves Mm. when they're around nines. And I I really agree with that. our world needs people who let us be ourselves, help us feel at rest with who we are, don't have to be getting things out of us. Just help us feel that sense of acceptance, right? Uh, and, uh, and belongingness. Um, and so we get, that, we get that from nines. It's hugely generous of them. And I think of Jesus with the, the children. You have, you have Jesus there teaching. You have the disciples seeing these children come up. And they're like shooing them away. And he's like, no, let the children come to me. This is what the kingdom is all about. Children like these. So Jesus accepts the children as they are. They're not serving him. They're not, you know, preaching the gospel. They're not casting out demons, healing. Mm -hmm. They are just bringing who they are as children because Jesus compels them by his personhood. Jesus accepts them and, and even says, no, let them come. You know, he kind of rebukes the disciples, let the children come, I accept them, let them be at peace and rest with me.
1: Hmm. You know, um, so again, you know, I I think all the gut people, you can feel them, right? And, uh, and one of my closest colleagues, um, Jill, who's a pastor here, when you said they're not trying to get anything out of you, in almost 30 years of working with this uh, saint of a human being, right, um, this beautiful compassions pastor, uh, this person who's worked on our financial team, that you'd never know who gave what because she's not trying to get anything out of people. And, you know, and then, of course, I have to give a shout-out to the, you know, the love of my life, Scott, because sometimes I have to say, what do you want? What do you need? Cause he's never trying to get anything out of me. It's, he is inviting me to rest all the time and he deserves my best energy. And so I want to say, what, you know, what is it? What is it? Cause you know, and so yeah, I love that they're not trying to get anything out of you. That is so well put. You could—that's a one-liner for nines. Not trying to get anything out of you. Beautiful. And so, when you think about all these nine styles and enneagram strengths, what you know, what happened in the marriage there? So, you've been with Gallup strength finders. You, you know, uh, why don't you just give us a couple of minutes on this?
2: Yeah, yeah give a couple. It'll, it'll be hard to give a couple, but I'll do my oh, best. We'll
1: give, your, we'll give your links, too, so that folks can look at your online courses and things like that.
2: <laughs> Great. Yeah, so I, I'm a Gallup certified strengths coach, and so the Gallup assessment helps identify potential, areas of, uh, of potential which should be cultivated more and turn them into strengths. And so it's, it's really a talent assessment. I love putting it side by side with the Enneagram. Because to me, the Enneagram shows you why it's your motivation, your, your drive for doing what you're doing, whereas strengths is sort of how you're doing it. Mm. It's your, your abilities, your talents. So it's sort of how you're living out your drive. So I like drive and talent together because mm. you've got the fuel and you've got the direction. The drive is the direction, kind of your strengths is the fuel, and so I use both these tools um, pretty often in working with people, and I love the, the depth and the clarity that together they can bring. Um, okay. so, I, I,
1: so let me ask you a question. Should we stop right here for the day and do a Part B right now? We'll go ahead and record, and then folks can come back and check it out. What do you think?
2: Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds give, it, great. give it some focus
3: and time.
1: Yeah. So yeah, so we'll be putting all of Chris's um, links below so that you can get in touch with him, whether it's for his books or his work with uh, discovering the inherent glory and, and uh, talent and essence of human beings through the Enneagram or its strength finders. Um, and, and, and I just want to say thank you for your effervescent uh, self you know, we um, we experienced you here today as a, as a person who is inspiring us and drawing out of us the reality of Christ, um, both uh, for us in generosity and through us in generosity. So I thank you and I look forward to part B.
2: That'll be great. Claire, thanks so much for the opportunity. I love what you're doing, focusing us on Christ, you know, and we really can't know God until we know ourselves. We can't know ourselves until we know God and God is who, who we um, Christ is who we experience God through. Mm. And so it's, it's super, super helpful and inspiring for the work that you're doing. Love to be in front of you all again with Claire. Um, Claire draws out Christ in me. Mm. And so I'm excited for that opportunity. As Claire said, I will drop some links down there and um, would love to serve you any way I can.
1: Beautiful. And, um, and so Christ in us, the hope of glory this season and always. Amen. Amen. Well, so we're kind of going into part B with my friend Chris Hines, um, Enneagram teacher, uh, strengths finder, uh, expert, uh, human resource dude, author. <laughs> And and friend, and we were talking um, about day 21 and the generosity of Christ in this Advent season, um, both Christ to us and then how we bring that generosity through the Enneagram types. And then we got started on uh, the Enneagram and strengths, and we decided there needed to be a part B. And so uh, maybe we can pick back up with even a short intro from what you said as we ended, and uh, letting folks know that there is this beautiful inherent glory and strength. And, uh, and, and it can be found through um, the map of the Enneagram and then this tool called Strengths Finders.
2: Yes, Claire, thanks again uh, for the opportunity. Um, so um, I'm certified to use both um, the Clifton Strengths or Strengths Finder assessment and the Enneagram. And I love using both of these assessment tools with, with individuals and with teams because we, we see different aspects of ourselves through each of these tools. I like to think of the Enneagram as revealing your, your drive, your motivation, sort of your why you're doing what you're doing. You know, whether it's really healthy or unhealthy, it's still exposing kind of your why. I think of strengths as your how. So, what abilities, what talents, what capacities and strengths do you have to sort of live and work out your why? So, think about Enneagram as your drive, your why. Think about strengths as your how, kind of like the fuel versus the direction. That's how I think of both of those. So, even when I'm doing strengths coaching with people, I'm always thinking about the Enneagram and listening to the words they're saying, how they're showing up. And I'm, kind of in my head going maybe they're this type maybe and then that can send the whole strengths coaching session in a different direction Mm -hmm. uh, because of my sense of their type so it's really really fascinating to look at these two together and I'm grateful to know about both
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and um and when you consider Uh, the Enneagram styles all the way around. Um, And of course you were trained in our uh, Enneagram harmony model uh, with uh, spiritual practices as the way to integrate uh, our IQ, our head, our EQ, our emotional intelligence and our GQ, our gut intelligence. Have you found some connection um, with say, you know, threes that they many times show up with these particular how uh, with their fuel?
2: That's a great question, Claire. And I want to go back to, so the Gallup organization is who owns the Clifton strengths assessment.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: there are 34 different talent themes that the assessment identifies. Mm-hmm. So it's things like, like belief, you know, having enduring values or maybe achiever, Having stamina and, and, and energy to produce, or maybe there's empathy, you know, recognizing the feelings and the perspective of others. So there's thirty four of these talent themes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's interesting is that Gallup defines talent as this. Now listen for the for the um, centers of intelligence in this definition. Gallup defines talent as naturally recurring patterns of thought, feeling, or behavior that can be productively applied,
3: mm-hmm. right?
2: Thought, feeling, or behavior sounds a lot like centers of intelligence. Right. So there's an agreement in Gallup's definition of talent that really does agree with the, the centers of intelligence ca- kind of concept that there's these three moda- modalities. So that's that's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I got curious about these associations. And so I actually put a little bit of a research team together and got um, some advanced degree, so masters and PhD level data scientists, and we put a survey out and asked people to submit their top five talent themes, so their top five StrengthsFinder Clifton Strengths themes, and their their Enneagram type, because uh, we wanted to see are there any statistical associations between this type and these talent themes.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so we put this whole study together and, um, we'll drop a link maybe here, a link to that study. Um, um, cause it's really, really fascinating, but do you want to hear some of the findings with regard do. <laughs> all right? So
1: and you don't have to start with three. Let's, you can start with one. If you we'll or- start
2: with one. Yeah. And I'll just share some high level, high level findings. And so, um, what we found that for type ones is that the, the theme that is most dominant, most associated, so the highest association with the type one is this theme of responsibility. Mm-hmm. So it's taking psychological ownership over what we say we'll do. There's high reliability, high virtue, high honesty. And so these folks really take it upon themselves to do what they say they'll do. Mm-hmm. Does that sound like a type one?
1: Oh, yeah. That's why she's the head of our, uh, our human resources. And so, yeah, that, that, that type has really important spaces to, uh, to fill and guide in, in our world, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. And then the second uh, strongest one is belief, hmm. which is having enduring values over mm-hmm. our work. So there's sort of a personal conviction and personal stake in doing the work, which I also really relate to for type
1: ones. Absolutely, with you.
2: Yeah, so we'll move on to type twos then. Um, So type twos are are interesting um, because um, the top two uh, uh, most associated themes are developer and empathy. So these are both relating talents, You'd you'd imagine that there'd be relating talents high to high for um for for the heart space, right? For type twos, and so developer is about drawing out potential in people, not walking away, kind of going the extra mile, Um, and then empathy, right, is about walking people's shoes, perceiving and sensing what they're feeling, and so those two themes are really high for type twos. You could probably see how those would be helpful in living out that that, that helping and supporting others.
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah. My, my brother-in-law who's a type two has been training his grandson uh, in football these last years and coached him through high school. And he just signed with uh, Vanderbilt on a full ride scholarship. And, and he talks about, I mean, just the way his grandfather helped develop his skill. So that that's lovely. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Type threes. So, so, here's what's interesting about type threes. So, the Clifton strengths themes, the 34 talent domains, can really de- be divided into four different categories, ca- kind of types of work. There's executing tasks, that's getting the work done. There's relating to people. There's thinking critically and strategically. And then there's impacting and influencing people. All right. So, doing Relating, thinking, impacting people of any of the types, the type three is the most um, the the most uh, pulls from most of these fours. So meaning there's sort of equal distribution of types of talents for for the type threes. And so often if you see a type three's top five themes, you'll see three or four of these categories. You'll see some thinking in there. You'll see some relating. You'll see some executing. You'll see some influencing. So distributed, widely talented, able to accomplish a lot through different means in a way that's unique to threes, not any other type.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and maybe um, when we think about the adaptability of threes, uh, that what is called on is what they will work mm-hmm. Right. So uh, and some people might say, well, that's very chameleon like, you know, that they can. Well, so who are they really? Are they are they relating? Are they <laughs> critical thinkers? Um, but yeah. the truth is, yes, yes. Uh, and they, you know, they've been given that adaptability gift. And when it's healthy, it's healthy. And when it's not, it's not. And
3: yeah,
2: there's a yeah.
1: Master finding for you. (laughs) (laughs)
2: It it also helps them work with a lot of different types of people. And so when they're healthy threes, they can put a team together or delegate and sort of get the project going. But if they're unhealthy, they're just going to sort of use people Mm -hmm. for their ends and then move on. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, uh, so that's really unique for three. So when I see someone's strength profile and I see a lot of variety in the types of strengths. My, my hunch, it's not like a guarantee, but my hunch is often, I wonder if they're like a type three
1: mm-hmm.
2: because they're gifted and talented in a lot of different ways.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice.
2: Type four was one of the most interesting findings of this.
1: Of one. course it was. Unique Here's in a
2: why, <laughs> Yeah, here's why type four was so interesting. So you have very high association for type fours, with a certain type of talent, Claire, I'm just gonna gonna ask what you think. So you've got the feeling, the doing, the thinking, the influencing. Which type of talent do you think is highest for the type four?
1: Well, of course, feeling, uh, because the de- you know the defense mechanism for a four is um, they personalize. You know, it's introjection. So even outside feelings become inside feelings for them. They feel the whole world. So I, that would be my guess.
2: You know, and that was mine too, because it's in the heart space. But actually, um, it's the thinking space. So we think of type fours as very emotionally expressive, and they are. But in a way, they're even more intellectually expressive, than feeling expressive. So you have like intellection, which is enjoying intellectual activity, conversation, discussion around intellect and ideas. You have ideation, which is new ideas, new possibilities. And you have input, which is gathering, collecting different thoughts and ideas. These are the top three, (laughs) the top three themes for the type four. And that's you don't have a feeling data. one
3: of
1: them. Yeah, that's interesting data. And I, you know, and I wouldn't I wouldn't question it, uh, but what I would say is another way to see that might be that many times fours don't see themselves as fours because they are so unique. They will let you know that all of these things are real for them. So you know the the uh, the data is only as accurate as the person is self aware.
3: Yes. Yeah. Right.
1: And so um, so great. And and I would also say that uh, I have several four friends who are, are very intellectual, and um, including my co author Adele Calhoun, who people would say has a very strong five wing, mm-hmm. um, and and yet because she is very in touch. Uh, with her own reality, I, I would say thinking is right there, but feeling will always trump.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
2: Just
1: a thought, just a thought.
2: Yeah. To me, to me, it said, "Hey, I don't want to just pigeonhole fours as just Different. a big a big blob of feeling." Right,
1: right. Right. Well said. Yeah. And, or anybody else. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> um, so, so type fives, uh, type fives have the, the strongest connection to thinking talents um, mm-hmm. of, any other, of any other type. Um, they're out of their top seven, like five of the seven are, are, are thinking talents. And so you've got things like analytical, which is searching for reasons and causes. Intellection, again. Uh, learner, which is capacity to learn. Um, they do have Relator, which is a relationship-building talent in their top five, but that prefers less relationships than more, and they'd rather go deeper rather than go wide. And so maybe they have a handful of trusted, close relationships, mm-hmm. but they're they're not um, they're not going to like go to a networking event unless they have to, or they've learned how to do that by choice. Um, so that kind of wasn't a surprise to me Yeah, um, that we see so many thinking talents in there, but um, they do have that relator talent, which helps.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so they may be more connected to their two, which is their heart center and the harmony triad. And then additionally, this could be a whole nother session. Um, but uh, I've studied instincts with um, bee chestnut and so depending on whether or not uh, we're looking at um, th- and we can't get into that, the 27 subtypes, mm-hmm. you know, so depending on if, you know, uh, we're, we're talking about um, what's on top in these instincts, um, which we won't talk about today.
3: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> yeah. and we'll Arthur. put a link in there too, if they want to check out B's good work on, and subtypes, so. Yeah,
2: that's great. All right, so the type six is interesting. Type six had a tie between developer and harmony mm. um, in terms of the, the, the strongest association. So developer, we mentioned before, is calling out potential, wanting to help people grow and progress. So it's, it, it is people-oriented. Mm. Uh, but, but we have an, the introduction of harmony, which is finding consensus Wanting to find balance and, and maybe make sure that multiple sides are are presented, in order for you to find agreement in the room. I'm hearing team oriented, and they're great team players, right? Type sixes are great team players. These types of themes are really great for the individual, but also for the team.
1: Hmm. Sounds very uh, sexy to me.
2: Sexy. <laughs> <Six-y. laughs> Have you used that before?
1: well, maybe once or twice <laughs> oh, that's great.
2: Um, okay, so the then the type seven, so the type seven um the uh th- this is interesting to me because you'd imagine that the type eight, whose really core drive is to impact or to influence, would have the most influencing type talents, hmm. but actually type sevens do, according to our research. So so type sevens bring this relational influence with them because they've got this mix between influencing talents and relating talents. Um, So that's different than type eights. If you look at type eights mix, it's more thinking and influencing talents, which is very interesting. So, So sevens are more like in and among the people, And sharing ideas and sharing energy, and they're positive, you know, they can communicate ideas back and forth. It's moving the people more from within out. Whereas I think type eights, because their mix is more influencing and thinking, they're kind of influencing through direction, ideas, you know, conviction, principles, and so forth. So that was a difference. I would have gone into this thinking eights would have had more influencing talents than sevens. But that's not the case. You could say from our study that on, on the whole, eights have, sorry, sevens have more influencing energy talents than eights do.
1: Well, you know, that doesn't surprise me. And, uh, you know, it is about uh, intensity. And so many times um, the influencing is, is not an intense Experience, but more a uh, rather than a moving in and going for a target like the intensity of an eight. It's more of a wide open whoopee, come on in experience, you know. So yeah, that that's great, wonderful to see it. Um,
2: And then, so so type eight, um, the strongest association of any theme to any enneagram type exists with the type eight. I mean, even on a, even three times as stronger than number two. I mean, this is like a huge, huge association, and it's with the talent theme of command. So command is the influencing talent to speak up when no one else speaks up, to bring clarity to the situation, to kind of say what maybe other people are thinking but are afraid to say it. So there, there's ambiguity, there's confusion, there's chaos, Type eights will speak up and speak into the situation to bring clarity.
1: Mm -hmm. And oh, how we love healthy eights. (laughs) Yes. Midst of ambiguity and confusion. Yeah.
3: Great. Uh,
2: My wife's a type eight. So I love with our teenagers when she will speak in (laughs) the situation and it's like, yeah, you're yes, you see it.
3: Good.
1: I love it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. mm-hmm nail it
2: yeah um and then and then lastly type type nines um so the strongest association for type nines is with adaptability
3: Mm
2: -hmm. right this go, go with the flow think about a river right you go with the flow you wind this way wind that way you're just kind of making your way through meandering you know so adaptability is so critical, right? Um, you need adaptable, flexible, accommodating people. I'm sure you love that about Scott. I do. This is go with the flowness.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, he's been saving lives uh, since 1962. And uh, I really, no kidding, his mom talks about even his birth and that he immediately was this peaceful presence that was able to come into a family system that had quite a bit of energy uh-huh. put it that way yeah
2: yeah and then the number two just slightly below that in strength is is harmony
3: mm-hmm. so again mm-hmm.
2: finding balance um, a, a lot of folks high in harmony uh, will avoid conflict you know because it sort of feels like relational disconnection
3: mm-hmm. uh,
2: uh Conflict does, and so harmonizer. You know, harmony. They want harmony. They want balance. They want positive relationships. Doesn't mean everyone high in harmony avoids conflict, but you know, many of them do. But um, yeah, those folks high in adaptability and harmony are both, according to our research, you know, pretty likely to be be a type nine.
1: Interesting. And the nine and the two of co, of course, are both optimism types. And so, you know, when you think about uh, wanting harmony, it would be to silver lining it to accentuate the positive to, uh, you know, uh, deflect or, or detract or change the subject or take. <laughs> and so, yeah, those are wonderful gifts that we see um, in nine and two. Uh, and, you know, in the Enneagram as well, nine, two and seven are all optimism types. Yeah.
2: So that was, yeah, that's our research. It's been fascinating now that I have the data to sort of see, you know, live it out, see if it holds true um, wow. as I experience life with people. So it's it's quite a fun journey.
1: Well, you know, the great, uh, you know, quote by um, Anonymous that many people have tried to take credit for, but um, you know, that all models are wrong and some are useful. And of course, Scott and I, changed that a bit and just said all models are incomplete and some are helpful. And I feel like what you've done here is very helpful mm. uh, because our language um, with the Enneagram and harmony and our, you know, our, um, our model being deeply rooted in the Christian tradition and ancient and contemporary spiritual practices in opening to knowing your essence, your true self, Um, that we would say the the Enneagram is around knowing your true self, your inherent glory, your essence, Mm -hmm. and that then understanding that there are talents that can be found as hints, even toward essence to say, Mm -hmm. here's what we're, we're seeing in your talents. And that's giving us a hint that this mm-hmm. is how you may bring the glory of God to the world as the reflection of God, as the imago Dei, uh, the image of God on, on the earth. I and so I, I just think this is a super helpful tool. And, you know, I'm going to have to just take a deep breath and ask God, do you really want me to study that? Or can I just let people like Chris know it and then call <laughs> on them, you know, because, um, you know, threes can, think that they should, you know, do more things than they should. And so I'm glad that I have you as a resource, as uh, someone that in our Christian tradition and the way that we have looked at the Enneagram as helpful for the work of transformation so that we can know and participate in God's will on the earth, Um, that we can call on you uh, as one of our alumni and say, um, Friends, take a look at what Chris is doing here, and see if he might be a part of your discovering uh, the the wonderful gift of you on the planet that will never be repeated, has never been before, uh, but is right now. So, is there anything you want to say in closing to us, Chris?
2: Yeah, I do one thing, Claire, I've really loved about you and yours and Scott's ministry is this. Using this tool, a very powerful tool, not as an end in itself, but en route to something greater, mm. which you said, discovering the glory through which and for which and by which God made you. And as a road to know Christ deeper, mm-hmm. I share that belief and sentiment that these tools, strengths included, are really tools en route to something bigger, deeper um, for me. Um, that is going to take me to a next step, which is um, the concept of vocation and life calling.
3: Mm-hmm. I
2: am feeling actually a call by God um, next year to really help people explore this topic of life calling and vocation. Mm-hmm. And I believe it will it will end with the creation of an institute um, to to explore this topic. But these tools of Enneagram and strengths are critical in understanding who you are, why you're here, you know, what what needs of the world you can meet and fill, what you're passionate about, all these things that together combine to be God speaking to us about calling and vocation. Um, you're, you're doing that. And I'm interested in doing that. And so that is that is what's coming, but it's by looking at these tools en route to something greater.
1: Well, and, and um, Chris, in a time like um, 2020, and no telling what 2021 is, uh, when people have lost their way, or lost their hope, or have had enough introspection to say, I might need to take a look at how I want to live my life in this next Season and what what is the the um, the divine DNA that I have given by God, spoken of in Ephesians, that I am the Eklektos, I am the spoken forth word of God, and that there is a word on the inside of every human being that God has spoken forth before the foundation of the world, and that when we know that word, living in dark times, there is this ability to stay uh, grounded in that reality that I am God's and God is mine. And that there is this I thou relationship. There is this, as the, you know, the anonymous author of the cloud of unknowing said, we are one with God. O N E D. We are one. We are in union with God when we are living from that place um, Christ, who was the Word before, uh, the, before ever becoming a man in a body to show us God, that before the foundation of the world the Word was God, and and the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. And so, this beautiful gift of helping people find vocation, I feel deeply convicted that it indeed stands in the face of hopelessness and and depression and uh, and and fear and um, and you know misuse of power and the unknown uh, reality that we are loved deeply by God. It just stands right up and says no. I am made as a word of God for this world. So I support you in doing that good work, and I can't wait to hear more about it. And um, as you can see, that is my bread and butter. I believe it to the depths of my soul. And and so I bless you in discovering what is yours to do in this next season of life. And uh, with all the ways that you have um, been a competent uh, uh, you know, and um, and and a, a networking guide in our world. Um, can't wait to see.
2: Thanks, Claire. Thanks for all your inspiration and encouragement. I see you walking in the ways of God, and it gives me faith. So thank you.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you're welcome. And enjoy these final days of Advent. And thank your family for letting you be with us on a Saturday. I mean, it's not going to be Saturday when people listen, but we're recording <laughs> on a Saturday. And uh, and I know that, that that's a gift from them as well. Bless you all. Bless you.
0: Thanks so much for joining with us today on the Enneagram and Christianity podcast. We would love to connect with you as you wait for Christ to be revealed and offer spiritual practices to stay present to Christ's presence within you this Advent season. You can check out Scott and Claire's Enneagram website by going to scottandclairlorage.org. That's S C O T T A N D C L A R E L O U G H R I G E.org. And when you go there, you can check out the blog and the vlog and all things Enneagram. And of course, you can go to CCMonline.org. We hope that you'll be able to join us each and every day through the season of Advent as we give thanks for the faithfulness of Christ. Hope to see you soon.